The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. In the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of Hot Happy Mess. I am your host, Zuri Hall, and this is the spot where you can kick back, relax. You are in a safe space, and we are celebrating the magic in the middle of our messes. I kind of stuttered a little bit there. Did you catch it? Kind of slurred my words. No, I'm not drunk. I'm sober. (laughs) It is a nice afternoon in sunny Los Angeles, California, and sometimes I get tongue-tied, okay? Okay. Uh, I'm really super pumped to give you guys today's Alpha Babe Spotlight. As you know, hopefully by now, if you don't, I'll do a quick refresher. What's an alpha babe, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you did. It is, she is, I should say, an unapologetically ambitious and mindful millennial woman who is designing a life that she loves and she leads. She knows what she wants and she ain't afraid to work for it. You know, this juxtaposition of alpha and babe is all about embracing our duality. And that's why... I started this social movement, this concept years ago when I launched my Alpha Bay blog because I was sick of being told that I had to be one or the other. We can be smart and sexy, strong and soft. We can be a hardworking badass and a self-care connoisseur, a balance of substance and style. We do not have to choose. Embrace your duality, girl. You got this, okay? For today's Alpha Babe Spotlight, we are highlighting an amazing woman. I should say phenomenal woman. Mina Harris was born into a family of strong women whose legacy continues to inspire her. We had an amazing conversation. I'm so excited for you to listen to in just a few minutes here. Her grandmother was a cancer researcher and civil rights activist. Her mother is a lawyer and policy expert. Her aunt Kamala Harris is a former United States Senator from California and the newly inaugurated Vice President of these United States of America. Thank you very much, Madam Vice President. We love an MVP. Love to see it. Mina herself is a lawyer and an entrepreneur. 
In 2017, she founded the Phenomenal Woman Action Campaign, which is a female-powered organization that brings awareness to social causes. You've probably seen those awesome Phenomenal Woman t-shirts based off of the Maya Angelou poem, of course. Uh, I'm going to have to get a t-shirt. Mina. Pick it up. I need a t-shirt. Uh, Mina currently resides in San Francisco with her partner and their two daughters. And you probably saw her family looking all types of adorable and stylish if you watched this year's historic inauguration, where, of course, her aunt Kamala Harris made history as the United States' first female vice president, the highest-ranking female official in U.S. history, and the very first African-American and first Asian-American vice president. I love Mina's perspective on ambition. It's so similar to mine and it's so reassuring and empowering to hear about other women who have always had this this ambition just burning in the, in their blood and, and in their veins and it's so exciting to see how other women manifest their ambition and, and what that looks like to them and for me personally it's super fascinating to learn about how other women have embraced sometimes struggled or grappled with and or encouraged other women young and old to own their ambition particularly because we're all about happiness, about embracing joy and the things that light us up here on Hot Happy Mess. I love this quote that Mina gave on another platform. She said, finding joy, even by accident, can be a radical act for women, especially for women of color. It's as if stumbling upon happiness distracts us from what we're quote unquote supposed to be doing, giving, sacrificing, caring for anyone but ourselves. Meanwhile, doggedly pursuing joy or passionately going after anything at all is often the surest way to earn yourself the label of quote unquote too ambitious or simply too much if that ain't the truth y'all i don't know what it is i want to clap my hands but i also don't want to make the mic <laughs> peak with the audio in a column that she wrote for Elle, Mina said, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that not everyone sees ambition the same way my family does. In the Harris household, ambition means courage. It means living your purpose. But to a whole lot of other people, ambition, women's ambition that is, is code for taking up space that wasn't intended to be yours. As my aunt showed us, when we encourage ambitious girls, they become ambitious women. And ambitious women can break barriers shatter ceilings and win. And if that ain't the truth, I don't know what is. In the words of her amazing aunt, our current vice president, dream with ambition, lead with conviction and see yourselves in a way that others may not. Enjoy this conversation with Mina Harris. Mina Harris, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. So excited to have you on Hot Happy Mess. How are we feeling? Um, you know, I was laughing to myself because I'm like, I think it's called hot, happy mess. And I am still in the just hot mess yeah. phase. So what, you know, I'm happy, but it's, uh, <laughs> overshadowed at this point in time by what a hot mess I am. So I don't know if I can say by I'm the hot not mess. Well, look, we like the hot to rem- happy mess. <laughs> Oh, the, the 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 thing is, there is no balance. That's what it's all about. Is just right. like if we're waiting for that, we'll be waiting forever for those scales to set. So it's just embracing all of the above at the same time. Wait, why are we exactly. feeling hot mess right now? I gotta ask. Hot happy mess, I think, is actually a great way to just think about my house right now, which is it is mm. you know it's <laughs> joy and fun and you know really important quality time with my kids and my family. 
but it's a mess and it's everything, you know, collapsed into one enclosed space and all happening at one time. So, you know, it's just a lot. Uh, and I have to sometimes pause and like remind myself of, you know, if I feel like I'm approaching burnout or I'm just exhausted, it's like, this is not, this is still not normal. Right. In terms of the the day-to-day of it. And, um, I think things are looking up and, you know, hopefully we'll get the vaccine soon. And there's lots of things I think to be hopeful and optimistic, um, towards, but you know, it's still a lot day-to-day. It is. It it is absolutely a lot. I love that you bring up the fact, um, that, you know, burnout is the thing that you also deal with as we all do. Um, and I would love to dive more into that and sort of your alarm system, how you listen to your body and your feelings and your emotions and handle the burnout. But before we dive into that, particularly with you being this amazing, badass career woman and being so ambitious, which I cannot wait to dive into the meat of on this conversation, uh, I want to do a little bit of an icebreaker with you for okay. our Hot Happy Mess audience. So this is rapid fire. I'm I'm like the old school, I'm E! News, Access Hollywood, like we like our games, our rapid okay, fire got games. It. Now I'm prepared, so, sort, um, of, sort just, of. Yes, kind of. It's all. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it. It's it's awesome. sweet, sweet and simple. Um, whatever comes to your mind first. First up, what is your favorite TV show on Netflix? Brett Bridgerton. I'm like, I can't even get it out. I'm so excited about the show. Um, so Bridgerton. I am obsessed with the show, and I have so many thoughts about about it and just like the, the, why I think it appeals to different audiences. And I just, I mean, Shonda rhymes, like I could go on and on other ones. I'm trying to think, um, Ozark was one I, I really got into. That was more of like a pandemic thing. Um, right, but right. anyway, that, okay. Oh, and, um, uh, sorry, I have to look it up. I see, this is why I like, I can't just like recall, um, shows <laughs> off the top of my head, but another one I was so obsessed with and it's, um, a friend journey Smollett who's in it. What's this? Oh, Jeez. Lovecraft, of course. Oh, Love, I haven't Lovecraft seen it country. yet, but I've heard great things. Oh, is it good? It's so good. Okay. And it was another one that I think, like, if you ask me in, like, this sort of setting, like, rapid fire, like, do you like sci-fi? Or do you, yeah. I would say, like, no, probably not. But it's so amazing. And it's it's sci-fi. It's sort of, like, there's a horror aspect to it. And, you yeah. know, um, Journey and, oh, my God, what is the other actor name? I just, I'm obsessed with um, with the whole show. I'm going to have um, to look up Lovecraft. I, I love Oh, Jonathan Major. Jonathan Major, oh, right? Okay. Okay. Got it. Yes. He's just so talented. I mean, both of them, they're so talented. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I would say my well, that's amazing. Bridgerton and Lovecraft. Bridgerton, absolutely no doubt. I feel like I've, I've talked to so many people during my interviews for work where they're like, yeah, I was watching Bridgerton. And then my husband walked in and was like, what the hell is happening? What in the, <laughs> yeah. what in the soft sport is going on? But I absolutely loved the season start to finish. And it's so overdue. Obviously, we've all been waiting for Shonda to, to make her Netflix debut. So I absolutely yes. love that not only was it critically acclaimed, but that it's killing it for the streamer, too. You share a birthday with, with your aunt. What's the one thing that you love most about your birthday twin? What, what is it about Kamala that you just, and this is, you know, politics aside, just as speaking for your aunt. Um, at this point, it's funny. I mean, throughout the campaign, it was fun to see her share herself, you know, literally share her in a way that, um, I think it was different than before where people really got to know her in a more intimate way than, you know, previously. So I, I don't have anything juicy for you. Like, uh, and I, I say that to say that it's, it's awesome that people know this about her now, but it's far and away her cooking. 
Um, mm. That's like the number one thing my whole life uh, that I would say. I mean, there's lots of things, but that's definitely the cooking. One. Yeah, which I, again, everybody knows about it now, which is great. Yeah, uh, yeah. But that is yeah. Just so. Wait, know, so what's your go to dish? What's your favorite dish? It depends. Now, meaning that I make. That she makes, that you make, that that maybe you both make. Who one ups the other? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's so many. Uh, well, the funny thing is, uh, I remember she had made this roast chicken, and I'm like, I don't, I'm weird. I I just like always thought that I wasn't a roast chicken. Like, I, if I ever go to a restaurant, I will never ever ever order chicken. I think it's so weird. Really? I'm like, if you're gonna go to a restaurant, so why would good. you order something like? I know, but it's just like, like I don't just know. It's just more. I, yeah, I, like I why would you it. go out of your so way weird. to do something basic? Okay, fair, yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. Although there are places like um, that are, if you're like known for it and it's like, okay, you have to order it fine. Anyway. Right, right. So I always felt like, eh, I'm not that into it. And she had made this roast chicken and I was like, oh my God, this is the best roast chicken I've ever had <laughs> in my whole life. And then fast forward to the pandemic and I started learning how to roast chicken. Okay. And my chicken is good. Wait, oh, I, like, so- oh I figured out. Okay. How to make the best okay. roast chicken I've ever had in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's like one of my go-tos that I've now found, you know, I had this like bias against <laughs> chicken and roast yeah. chickens. And, and now, now I have figured out how to do it myself. It was also one of those things that it feels like okay. so daunting if you've never done it. And it's actually so easy. Yeah. But it just takes, like, you know, getting a, a good, like, method and practicing. Right. And it's just... Honestly, easy. I have never roasted so. a chicken in my life. Now I kind of want to try it. I think I might try it this weekend. It's... I would encourage you. There's so many... The New York Times, like, the buttermilk uh, marinade from the New York Times. Yeah. Look that uh, up. It is life-changing. Okay. Okay. So All right. That's, that's what I'm going to do this weekend. All right. I appreciate the recommendation. I'm curious to know, I heard that your four-year-old is a chef, likes to be in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. What is the most interesting thing that she has made thus far? It depends on how you define interesting. <laughs> oh, it could be terrible. It uh, could be, I don't want to like, put this in my mouth. Does interesting also to... mean like tasty or Absolutely that I would not. like to eat it? Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> this could be well, wonder. she's been, yeah, I mean, she's been going around kind of like proudly sharing this with everyone, which is that <laughs> she took leftover spaghetti carbonara that I had made, okay. which as a side note, like, it's just such a funny thing with kids. Like you obviously want to encourage them to, you know, explore their interests and yeah. no matter what they may be and not try to tell them to do it in a certain way or in a certain mold or whatever. So we had leftover spaghetti carbonara and she, it was like taco Tuesday. We do that mm-hmm. in our house. And so she wanted to put the spaghetti inside of the tacos. Oh. And so like a lot of carbs going on. No doubt. You know, um, it was basically spaghetti carbonara inside of a a quesadilla. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I think we put cheese in it still. So, you know. As one does. I guess it's kind of like eating spaghetti with like bread. (laughs) Right. Like a spaghetti sandwich. But it was quesadilla. That's the thing. Okay. Okay. I just, I don't, I'm not, you know. In terms of taste and texture, like shoveling a taco of spaghetti into my mouth is not the most. Well, you know that was my next question: is did you sample the the, the delicacy that was this carbonara quesadilla? 
Well, now I feel guilty because I actually didn't. Oh, um, Mina! I should have. She only made one, and she was, yeah, I wanted the, this child to, like, eat her dinner and be full. Yeah. So I wasn't trying to, you know, but I, you're right. I should have. Just a little nibble. Okay, um, I love it. She's a little a, chef she's in the funny. making. She's a little character. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what is the beauty product you cannot live without? Oh, my God. I mean, generally, like, under eye concealer. Okay. Uh, Do we have a favorite you, one? Are you asking about brands too? Um, if you have like one, like brand? that you're a go-to for, I'm a big Laura Mercier. I would say, fan. yeah, I would say like if I were to shout out something that I like, I can't live without. You know, whatever you can get concealer anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm actually wearing it now. It's kind of probably like looking greasy because it's end of the That's day. Really but it's this. Um, it's called a hue stick. It's oh. by Tinted. A oh, love live Tinted. Tinted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. lip tinted, and it is, uh, it is like my. There's, I don't know, like maybe five things that have been like really key for my pandemic living. Yeah, and this is like number one yeah. on the list, uh, because it's just so easy, and you literally like swipe it on. Yeah, I've been using a brush lately, but like really fast, just to kind of move it up, or you could use your finger. Yeah, and it like looks like something. So right. I, on the one hand, I've become much more comfortable just like not wearing makeup at all uh-huh. um on a lot of meetings and and zooms which mm-hmm. is awesome I, I i'm glad about like i think it's just the confidence of like not giving a fuck I'm yeah like, i still have time right like, right i don't like, there have been times where i show up looking speaking of hot happy mess where i'm like hey i lo- i know that i look like a mess and i'm sorry i don't have time to put myself together right. like i just don't have the effort right. and uh energy or effort th- to make today so sorry um right. you're like the you fact know, that i'm do- here is enough <laughs> It like, I just, yeah, like that's, that, that alone was a big effort. Um, but yeah, if I'm doing something where I feel like I want, you know, to wear makeup, it's just so easy. Mm -hmm. And I normally use, uh, it's, I think the shade is called true. So I use that on my eyes. And the thing that's cool about it is that it's also, it's like an all over thing. So you can put it on your cheeks, you can put it on your lips and then put gloss over it or it's just so easy and it's like effortless, but it like makes you look like you made effort. Oh my gosh. And, and that's what I love. Like, that's one of my favorites too, the Hue Stick. We had Deepika on the podcast probably like a few weeks ago now, about a month ago, talking about pivoting in your career and your personal life. And I swear awesome. by the Hue Stick and then the Unity Balm, you like do a little gloss yeah. on the cheekbone. It's just yep. game changer. Game yeah, changer. they have a lot of okay. really All right. great, just like easy products. Yes, everybody, you guys know, but just in case, live tinted, check it out. Shout out to Deepika. Love the brand. Um, and also just so inclusive. And when it comes to representation across the spectrum, uh, the Houstics really do the job. So I'm with you on that one. Yes. I want to dive into um, Mina Harris, the woman. Uh, obviously, you have this amazing brand that you're building with Phenomenal. And I want to get to where you are with it now. Uh, but for our listeners who might be newer to your story or your journey to where you are now, just kind of break it down. When you look at your college years, your early 20s, who was Mina then? What did she think she wanted out of life? And then how did she sort of evolve into where you've landed now? That's a big question. Uh, if I really try to like boil it down, I think that I, this is going to sound super cheesy, but I have known since I was very young that I was, or that I am creative and entrepreneurial. I, on the one hand, you know, on one side, I was like the kid and, you know, thanks to my family who saw that and 
encouraged it. I was in art camp all summer long. So I was really into visual arts at a young, young age. Um, it was like, it was this art camp in Oakland. It actually still exists, which is so amazing. And I want to take my girls there when things open back up. But, um, you know, they had like a morning session an afternoon session, and then it was split up into like two week sessions, like throughout the summer. And most kids that attended the camp would go to like just the morning session for two weeks for the, you know, two week program. I did mornings and afternoons for the entire summer, um, which, you know, is also wow. like in some way, <laughs> I think it was, I loved it, but it was also like, you know, single mom, like <laughs> I need somebody, you know, I need yeah. to have my kid occupied like all day long, all summer. And right. luckily, you know, I loved it and yeah. it just all worked out anyway. So there was that. And then I just like as early as I possibly, you know, could, like I always had a job. Um, I remember like, you know, my dad's sisters, I would be like, is there anything you need help with? Like both of them are, are teachers. Like, can you pay me to, like, I was always doing, you know, kind of like having side jobs and that, um, continued throughout college. Right. Like I was always, I, I both did art stuff. Um, I was not in class that much. I was, you know, doing, um, mural art programs in East Palo Alto, which is where I spent a, a majority of my time. And then I had like seven jobs. Anyway, I think that was all part of what I think has been sort of within me and my, ultimately my passion. But what's interesting is, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of like models for that growing up. Um, I had incredible role models in other areas, which were, uh, you know, social justice and and activism and, and public interest law. And therefore I think it's probably not a huge surprise that I, you know, ended up going to law school and I went to law school with the intention of, you know, yes, following in their footsteps of, you know, making positive change in the world with, um, with the legal, you know, within the legal field and with my law degree. Um, and I think, you know, that stuff is obviously what I'm doing today is still super important, right? It's, um, about social justice and all of the things I just mentioned, but I think what I discovered and, you know, after kind of being on that traditional path for a while and kind of checking, you know, a lot of kind of boxes of doing, you know, what I thought was prestigious or kind of building, you know, my career in a traditional, my legal career in a traditional way, um, I learned that, you know, you can make impact, you can have a, you know, you can make positive change in the world um, through other ways, right? Through being an entrepreneur, through building a brand. And um, it took, you know, a while for me to get there, right? And to understand that. And also, there's just so much that goes into it, right? Like, it's just, you know, the intersection of a bunch of kind of perfect moments where I had worked long enough and felt like I had done enough in my traditional, you know, career and frankly checked enough boxes that I was willing to kind of like take that risk. Um, by the way, I didn't even mm-hmm. fully take the risk <laughs> until last year when I finally left my my job, my full-time job. And, you know, that I, I was financially stable where uh, I could take the risk of not having like a steady income or not knowing, right, what that looked like. Um, there's just so much that goes into it. And I will acknowledge that, you know, it's a huge privilege to be able to like walk away from, um, you know, a really, uh, steady and, um, I think, you know, stable, like interesting, you know, career and job, which is what I was doing, um, in, you know, in and out of the tech industry and, and the legal field. So, yeah. um, but I think the yeah. point is, you know, I'm, I'm definitely doing what I think I always dreamed of doing in the back of my head. I always like looked at people who, you know, had started businesses or owned companies and thought like, oh, it'd be so cool to do that. But I just didn't know mm-hmm. what that thing was or, um, you know, had any real kind of like concrete path towards it. And quite the opposite, right. I felt, right. you know, kind of towards the end of the time at my law firm, I was feeling this anxiety of like, who am I? And 
what am I going to do? And who am I going to be? You know, uh, do you feel like your identity was sort of wrapped up in those boxes that you felt the maybe pressure to check, whether it was societal or otherwise? It was definitely like self pressure. And to the extent it was like external, I think it was about me having whatever issues around like how people perceived me in, in sort of achieve the context of achievement. Right. Like I remember having this sort of feeling of, well, I have, you know, wanting to do things that other, that people in, in, yeah, as you said, society, right. View as impressive, right. The, you know, prestigious schooling, Mm -hmm. the clerkship, the prestigious law firm that, right. I mean, and a lot of that I think are, are good sort of motivations. And I, I would distill them down to, you know, not elitism, but, um, excellence, right. I was, I very much had Mm. that sort of immigrant influence, you know, especially from my grandmother and modeled through my mom and aunt, which is achievement and right. And and working hard and and academic excellence. Right. So, and again, to their credit, I was never told like, oh, you have to be a lawyer or a doctor. Right. Um, and and I feel very grateful for that. But yeah, I remember distinctly, I was dating Nick and we were doing long distance between DC and New York. I was at my law firm. He was um, in the tech industry in, in New York City. And we were going back and forth literally every week um, to see each other and kind of mm-hmm. switching off, you know, week to week. And there came a point where I knew like, okay, I might be in my law firm for maybe another year, but I'm not trying to stay here forever. And it was this question of like, do I move yeah. to New York and go to the New York office of my law firm? And, and at that time, I felt like that'd be a miserable thing to do. And if I'm going to like move, why do the same thing that I knew I didn't want to sort of be doing long term? And then I had this in the back of my head, like, why well, I would love to be like in media or marketing or advertising. But the thought of like starting from the beginning uh, in those spaces that I had literally zero, you know, exposure to or experience in felt very, I don't know, I guess I, I don't want to sound like, I, I think that it's important for people to, you know, be willing to kind of like, I don't want to frame it as like, oh, I have to start at the bottom. Like, I think that's a, that's not a great way to frame it, yeah. but there was some, feeling of like, you know, I worked, I worked, I put in so many years to like get to the place right, where I was. Right. That was, You've got you know, equity kind of more in this one space. Yeah. And it was like, damn, how do I kind of, you know, shift this so that I can build on that versus feeling like I'm almost like throwing it away and starting over. Maybe that's a better right. way of phrasing it, yeah. you know? And yeah. no, luckily I was led, you know, to this moment where I kind of was able to do that and that because I did it myself. Right. Um, I, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, maybe going into an advertising agency or t- learning the trade and the craft in that traditional institutional way, I decided like, okay, I'm just going to go try to play around and test it myself and like, see what happens, you know? And again, mm-hmm. it wasn't that intentional. Mm-hmm. Like it was, uh, it was me kind of doing my part and, and wanting to, you know, do, do something meaningful coming out of the election. I didn't start it and say, okay, I know that I'm interested in marketing and advertising and, creative, you know, content. And so I'm going to start a brand. Like that's not how the story goes. Right. Um, but I think it's it was just, pretty you know, organic it's just doing. Yeah. yeah right. And, and right. understanding that, you know, if you do have passions or interests or skills that are outside of, you know, your like nine to five, right. Or whatever kind of, you know, career path you may be on, there are like ways to keep up, keep that up and feed it that, you know, may not literally lead you to this thing. But for me, you know, having, I had this like t-shirt that preceded phenomenal and that really was, you know, it was like this kind of silly side thing that took off in its own way. It was much more narrowly focused on female entrepreneurs, yeah. you know, that that was telling. And 
that ended up yeah. being kind of the seed for, you know, when the moment came, I like could, I could do something and I did something and still right. had no idea where I was going to leave right. me and like had no idea that I'd still be here four years later. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that could become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough. But these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Yeah, and at this point, four years later, Phenomenal as a brand has really grown to so much more than the original T-shirt that you launched. I mean, you've got the production company now. You've got this amazing social media platform that's inspiring and celebrating important stories and people. Um, You've got the new book. This is your second book, a children's book, Ambitious Girl. Mm -hmm. And I would love to talk about that, that concept of ambition, because I, many years ago, probably five or six years ago, came up with this concept of alpha babe. And it was really just about embracing the word alpha when for so many years, when people used it towards me, it was like a backhanded compliment. It was, oh my gosh, she's so alpha. Like you're going to have a hard time getting a man or good luck with this, or you need to dial it back with that. And I was like, why, why is there supposed to be so much shame attached with being a thing that if I were a man, I'd be applauded for. And so what I've loved is over uh, recent years, especially, I've seen that evolve. I've seen that change. I've seen uh, myself, my peers, women like you say, not only am I ambitious, but I'm owning that and I'm proud of it. And I Mm -hmm. hope that that next generation of women that we're raising 
will wear this as a badge of honor. Um, that came naturally for you. You've talked about the fact that your family was one that you didn't realize until later was not the norm. Can you talk about growing up in that tight knit family of strong women who were really just helping to lift one another up? Yeah, it's um, something that I've definitely come to, you know, appreciate for sure um, as an adult and as a parent. Um, there are various ways in which growing up, I knew that, like, you know, we were different um, and that I had sort of a, I don't know, I think it was just, it was more around like kind of curiosity and judgment, frankly, around having a really young single mom. Uh, but I think the reality for me was that that was something that enabled me as the, you know, kind of only child of my family, you know, most of my life I was, you know, an only child. Um, and meaning I've had like cousins and, and others that have come along after I was in much more my formative, you know, younger years. Um, it means that, you know, it meant that I had a front row seat, right. To all the things that, you know, my mom was doing in the world and, the relationship I had with my grandmother in particular was really special. Um, she was a second mother to me. Uh, and I, I recently said this and I'm like, I need to write that down because <laughs> it, it's interesting <laughs> to kind of reflect on this, which is, and I've talked about it in different ways, but like my grandmother was almost like the narrator, you know, like my mom was doing and providing for us and just doing what she needed to do, you know, which was, she was a student. She was going to law school. She was on her own, you know, um, young career journey, just starting mm -hmm. out on her, you know, career when I was really young. And it was sort of, you know, I, I saw that, right. And she was leading by example. And that was huge for me, you know, for a number of reasons, just like work ethic, right. You know, uh, she, as I mentioned, was, you know, public interest lawyer. She was, you know, at the ACLU, right. She was doing advocacy work. So that was obviously through my grandmother and, and aunt too, like something I was living and breathing all the time. But to see my mom actually doing that work in the world, I think was incredibly important for me. Um, also just, you know, sometimes out of circumstance, uh, she took me everywhere with her, right? If she couldn't get childcare, if like my grandmother wasn't available, she took me with her. Um, that meant that I, you know, sometimes went to her law school classes. I, I have vivid memories of, you know, like the Stanford Law Library, um, you know, going to her when she graduated, like going to her uh, law firm office on weekends. And then my grandmother was sort of contextualizing it for me. And I think there was a lot wrapped in, up in that. And on the one hand, I think my grandmother wanted me to have an appreciation for it and understand that, you know, for example, you know, if my mom had to work long hours or that my grandmother was the one picking me up from school that like, that I, I, I felt supported. Right. And that, that was because she was working hard for us. Right. And she, there's this refrain that she was constantly saying, like, your mother works like a dog. She works like a dog. Do you understand how hard she works? And I think there was inherent in that, just wanting to make sure I saw that sacrifice and hard work and, and understood and appreciated it. Um, yeah. And also, I think there must be some element of that, of like, not thinking that it was, you know, taking away from her, like, being a good parent, right? Um, and that's something that I, I think about with my kids now, where there have been, you know, a number of occasions where I've, especially the older one, she's now four, has said like, you know, mommy has to go work. And sometimes she's reacted negatively, like, oh, oh well, you know, mm, how that, yeah. that, you know, I don't like that. And I get where that's coming from because in her, you know, little head, that's because it's time away from her. But I, I now have the context from sort of how I was raised and understanding yeah. that where I'm like, wait, let's pause. I need you to understand and let's talk about this. And I want to 
to reframe how we think about work. Like work right. is good. Work is how, right. by the way, you eat, you get to eat food and we yeah. put food on the table, like, and yeah. you, you know, have clothing, like we have to work. Nothing is going to be handed to you. And yeah. by the way, I also love working. <laughs> I love what I do. Right. So anyway, the point is I saw that every day and, um, my grandmother was sort of this, you know, narrator of both, I think, wanting me to appreciate what my mother was doing, but also just, you know, um, teaching me those lessons and values and making sure that I was, you know, understanding and learning that in a really intentional way. Yeah. Um, especially I think, you know, for, you know, if you are a single mom and you're just trying to do the day-to-day stuff, like parenting is hard. You often, you know, it's, it's, it's a struggle sometimes just to, you know, get dinner on the table or to get, you know, laundry done. And the idea that we can do all that and then say, let's have a conversation about, about work ethic. You know, all. it's like, right. oh my God, we're, everybody's, you know, it's a lot. Um, yeah. I think there are important lessons in that of like showing up with intentionality and right and all that, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful yeah. that I had that dynamic where I, you know, my grandmother sort of, you know, contextualized and, and narrated like yeah. what I was seeing, yeah. right. And had that front row seat to that. Right. It is. It's so awesome to hear that you had that growing up and also that you can apply that sort of intention to raising your own children. Um, I love that particularly because, like I mentioned, you have this new children's book, Ambitious Girl, which I read and loved. I mean, the illustrations are absolutely stunning and the words all the more important Um, when it comes to instilling that that pride for ambition in young women especially young girls uh why was that so important to you what what is it about this book that parents are going to want to read it not just to their little girls but to the little boys too yeah well it it goes back to i think you know for all of us we're just trying to figure out how to like raise good kids and the only model i really have for that is how i was raised right and there's two sides to this. One was that everything we just talked about, I had a front row seat to female ambition, right? To women doing powerful things in the world, being change makers. Um, and it wasn't like somebody sat down with a book and said, here's this word and it has a lot of power. And, you know, here's how we define it in our family, but get ready because society's going to tell you something different. Like that's right. not how I was taught. Instead, it just was, right? It was my worldview. It's what I saw. And it was, you know, it was clearly a positive thing. It was event purpose, determination, you know, having a bold vision and believing that, you know, you can, you know, disrupt the status quo and achieve it, or, you know, be the first to do something that's never been done before. And when people tell you it can never be done, right. It hasn't been done before and therefore it can't be done. And then now fast forward with me as a parent, I think about, you know what, like, let's actually define that word. Like, (laughs) let's put that in a kid's book and be really extra clear knowing that, not only is it sort of generally something that women and, and my girls, when they, you know, go into the real world will encounter people, you know, ap- applying these double standards or, or finding ways to cut them down or tear them down, whether it's calling them, you know, too ambitious or bossy or right. Like all the other words that yeah, we know are, are used in a uh, disproportionate different way against women and not men. Um, but like, let's acknowledge the power of that language mm-hmm. and that language um, what, when it becomes a part of culture and, you know, systems that that is literally, you know, how society oppresses people and harms people. And mm-hmm. like, we have to claim that and own that. Right. As you mm-hmm. said earlier. And I was seeing also as a new parent, which coincided with, you know, becoming a, the, an author, just the power of kids books and of yeah. children's literature. And that, you know, kids are often learning about the world around them and society, you know, through their families 
you know, when they go to school at that point through school, but, you know, through books, right. Especially in the early, early days, um, even before they're going off to preschool. And, um, you know, I think the other point there is just the power of, you know, representation and, and, and teaching our kids young and understanding that yeah. they are very capable of understanding and they soak up everything and right. Yeah. And, and, and Absolutely. when you have characters that look like you on the page or when you're having conversations that, you know, are unique to your family, the more that we can normalize that at a, at a young age. And as you mentioned, right, like that's why this is just as important for my black daughters to see themselves and to see ambition as a good thing and a positive thing that should be encouraged and, you know, not something that they should be afraid of or, or feel like they have to hide. But it's also important for white men and boys to see that, right? Yep. Um, that exactly. is, you know, the the definition of, um, right, not only representation, but it's something that, you know, all of us can see and believe in. And when we don't do that, that is precisely when folks are able to say, oh, again, it's never been done before, so therefore it can't be done. Or I've never yeah. seen that happen before, so therefore that can't be successful, right? Or, yeah. um, you know, that is not a, a model of, of leadership or, and, and we, we all have to do that work. And it's yeah. part of the conversation around, right, raising feminist boys, uh, you know, that turn into like good men. Uh, there's this concept of, you know, obviously toxic masculinity, but mindful masculinity, my friend Liz Plank um, mm. has coined, right? Like when I had so many questions from parents about, you know, how do we, and we saw that last summer with the BLM protests, right? A lot of white parents are like, oh my gosh, how do I talk to my white kids about racism? And you know, the point is that you can have very direct conversations about that. And there are lots of tools. There are now lots of lists and resources where parents can find those things um, to talk about what's going on in the world, but you can do it in other ways and kind of consistent, constant ways too, which are looking at your bookshelf. What are the images and messages you are, you know, um, encouraging and, uh, you know, emphasizing and, and prioritizing for your children? Is it a white male dominated, you know, um, narrative and, and society? Or are you thinking about, you know, books like mine that center black girls as the leaders and understand that that is, is just as good for my kids as it is for yours? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, not just the young girls, but the young boys and how important it is to raise feminist boys also. Um, what I really love about your partnership with your partner, Nick, is um, I was reading up recently about the really non-traditional gender roles that you two have established in your relationship. And when it comes to parenting, I'd seen that he uh, recently had given up a very impressive, right, um, job in tech to be a stay-at-home dad. What can you tell us about sort of gender roles or lack thereof in your relationship dynamic and how you navigated those conversations when it came to, hey, this is what I expect from the relationship. And also this is what I'd love to create when it comes to a partnership. Was that hard for you guys? Did it come very naturally for you to kind of march to the beat of your own drum? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think it's like any relationship, you know, you have to have um, communication and it's good to explore you know, how to make it work, right? If somebody says that, you know, um, and I had in some ways a model with my own parents, right? Where just in terms of like finances, right? It's like uh, if if one person's in public interest and the other's in private sector, right? Like balancing that and, and having sort of a lot of, you know, conversations around how do you make this work? So you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. And I can do what I want to do when I want to do it if, if it's not possible to kind of do it all at once. Right. And it so often is, is not, I think for, you know, ordinary people. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like non-traditional things about um, our family, I guess. And again, that's just sort of like those are the what best I things. I uh, love them. Yeah, I think it's also you know the point of um, kind of similar to my journey as an entrepreneur. I think that he had, and I don't want to speak for him, you know, but he had sort of accomplished what he wanted to, and it's been a long time in an industry and had developed, you know, his expertise and, um, you know, body of work. And I think felt like this was a literally once in a lifetime opportunity to spend quality time, you know, with your young children, right. And understanding how formative those years Mm -hmm. are and, and decided that that was, you know, worth the, quote unquote risk, or I don't think he viewed it as a risk. Right. And again, I think he had gotten to a point of, and that is a privileged point to be for sure. Right. That you can feel like you can step away and that one day, if you want to go back, that that will still be there. But the, I think the bigger important point is just that when people like him do that, it is something by the way, that women do all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. We talk about traditional gender roles. And sometimes women do it because they want to. Sometimes women do it because they are, you know, the sole caretaker. And again, the family, you know, you're, you're trying to, you know, balance what everybody is doing. Um, but the more men who do that, the more we normalize that in our culture. And, you know, maybe that his example is one that's a little bit more extreme where he, you know, left to, to be a full-time dad. But it applies to things like taking care of children, right, which we know disproportionately falls on if you have a you know two parent household, uh, we know that those duties, um, if you you know that that they disproportionately fall on on women um, in terms of caretaking, yeah. right? So absolutely um, in the workplace, do. right? Um, taking care of sick kids, or most importantly, you know, around parental leave, right? There's this whole you know conversation around and in tech, uh, and I was a part of a lot of these conversations in terms of you know improving policies and practices to uh, support working families, which is that, you know, it's, it's yes, the bare minimum that you should be doing is creating policies that give equal leave to mothers and fathers. Right. Um, but the key to really make that effective is that you also have a culture where that is, um, encouraged and, and even rewarded. Right. So a equal policy leave for fathers, you know, where they get whatever, six weeks in addition uh, to uh, a mother means nothing if men are not taking that leave, right? Exactly. Or it, it means nothing if, you know, you're taking leave and you're not actually gone from the office, right? It means nothing mm-hmm. if, you know, you take it and you're punished for it, right? And your manager um, or there's a, you know, culture where you are um, penalized in some way for being away from, you know, from the workplace. By the way, I mean, of course, we know that this happens to women all the time, mm-hmm. right? That we you know, take leave that is available to us and, you know, are discriminated against or get some other, because of um, there's some other, you know, sort of, uh, punishment and that comes in, you right in a workplace yep. in some way. Um, and again, the point is like the more that, um, that men, I think take responsibility for understanding that when they normalize it, it's better not only for, for them and their families, it's better for women. Right. Um, that is when we really, I think make more, you know, lasting change. And yeah. so I'm really proud, right, that he can be a, a and it, so the point is that it's, it's policies and practices, it's culture, it's, um, you know, really uh, creating an environment where it's truly, truly supported. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here and no one's future is safe. 
After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. Uh, you you mentioned you know your your beautiful family your husband and sort of the the gender roles that you guys are redefining. Um, I loved everything that you were talking about when it comes to policy and actually taking advantage of policy that may be available to us, but also everyone needing to support that, not just the women who can take advantage of policy that is made for us that we deserve to have um, to protect us, but also the men in our lives. It's exciting to hear you talk about these sorts of things from this perspective, because obviously uh, you've done the work, you continue to do the work, you served as a senior advisor on policy and communications for your aunt's 2016 campaign. You've written these two children books, so I look forward to seeing the ways in which you advocate moving forward when it comes to this stuff. As a family, right, like obviously we all watched the inauguration day. We saw the looks that were served. We saw the history being made. Um, You're obviously Madam Vice President and the absolutely historical moment that that was for our nation um, and for women and little girls of color across this country. Um, What stands out to you most about that day? What will you remember most about the inauguration day? And also the family was fly because y'all head to toe, the looks were very impressive. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think it's really simple and it maybe is just goes back to what we talked about around, you know, kids books, which I mean, the number one thing 
I've been asked this question a lot, as you can imagine. Um, but the number one thing that was on my mind during that ceremony was making sure that my daughter could see it and could see mm-hmm. her being sworn in. And uh, I think, you know, I like to emphasize that, you know, yes, like we have a personal connect- relationship and it's, it's personal and we're proud. And, but that the reality is that we are, you know, as regular as every, experiencing this, just like everybody else. Right. And um, I think are just like ordinary families all over the world that, you know, we're witnessing that. And I was getting these pictures from, you know, all over of little girls, you know, holding up their hand while she was taking the oath. And again, the power, the power of that and the power of representation um, is just extraordinary. And it cannot be, you know, that we should take the the opportunity in that moment and you know going forward to to celebrate that and understand it um obviously there is a lot of work to do um i think that it's a given right that uh we elect folks to do a good job at their jobs and qualified you know people to do that and i look forward to uh you know seeing the the work being done as well but i think it's also important for us to to pause and take in those moments and understand um you know that just that you know, image on TV that, that holds a lot of power and it, uh, shows, you know, kids and girls and children right all over what is possible. And it's literally, you know, it's breaking the glass ceiling. Right. And in many ways, like it's not about her it, at the end of the day, it's about that be- making it even more possible for more women to, to accomplish right. that for more women of color. And, um, I look forward to, you know, seeing that. And I think it's up to all of us to continue, doing the work to push for it and to make sure that, you know, um, as my grandmother says, has said, uh, you know, you may be the first, but make sure you're not the last. And so the work begins, right. When you are making sure that you are bringing others along. Um, and that is the work that continues. Amen. I love it. I love it. Uh, the Dior Jordans, did you catch black Twitter freaking out about your husband? Oh my God. I did. Yes, I did. (laughs) I, Cause he killed that. I'm like, let me not, let me not get myself in trouble. But I was definitely like, (laughs) I was definitely on my phone in moments that I believe were respectful of the ceremony. So like, I wasn't on my phone, whatever, let me not go there. But all I have to say is I had like kind of been catching some stuff and then I put my phone down to, you know, somebody was speaking. I can't remember. I think, Oh, it had, it had to have been Amy Klobuchar, right? Like, uh-huh. Someone was speaking uh-huh. and I was paying attention and there then is like a pause, you know, with the next speaker coming up or whatever. And I look at my phone and it's just like blowing up and I'm like, what yeah. the hell is going on? Um, <laughs> the story is so great. I mean, Nick actually ended up talking about it, which is really funny because he's not into like attention and it's All not that. The, you know, yeah, the lights like, camera. Actually. Yeah, out of character for him in some ways, but uh, it, to the point of just like, you know, the girl dad and... um his, you know, role, like the younger one had, we had taken them to the bathroom before the ceremony started, like trying to preemptively make sure like, right. That we're not gonna have to go. And of course, you know, an hour in or whatever, like the little one says that she has to go. And so he, you know, took her and, uh, tries to, you know, gets, gets to the toilet, sorry, uh, for TMI, but like, and then she refuses to go. And so he's uh-huh. like, oh my God. And then they're missing the ceremony as this is happening. So he goes back to the door and assumes that, you know, the guard is going to want him to wait until she's done speaking. And apparently the guard was like, no, go. Like, we want you to go to your seat. 
And so he's kind of like tiptoeing down, but it happens to be in the middle of Amy Klobuchar's speaking. Oh so you can literally see it. I mean, everybody, you know, if you saw the video, yeah, it's right, so funny. Yeah. <laughs> but the story behind it of just like, oh my God, of course the two-year-old has to like go pee in the middle of the ceremony after we already tried to get her to go before it started. She didn't even go. Yeah. And so it was like a wasted trip in the middle of like this hugely important <laughs> event. And then it just led to like chaos online. So that was extremely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. First, it was the moment we needed. I mean, it's so endearing because at the end of the day, like you said, like you guys are witnessing this and processing this in real time, just like the rest of us. And the bathroom right. waits for no one, let alone a small child. Exactly. So if anything, so many people are like two year olds. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, Mina, we will uh, obviously be tuned into everything else that you have coming up. In the meantime, everyone can go get Ambitious Girl. That is on shelves now, right? Yes, it is on shelves. It actually, I just found out today that we made the New York Times bestseller list again. We Congratulations. Last week, which was really exciting. Wow. And yeah, people, it's just so amazing to like create something and put it in the world and see people respond to it in a positive way. And it's just so fun to, you know, hear how little kids are, you know, talking about it and what, what they're connecting with. And it's just, it's, it's so awesome. Yeah. So I'm really grateful Yeah, well, you know, to be on this journey and for all the support. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining the show today. We loved having you here on Hot Happy Mess. We'll be checking out the children's book and everything else you have uh, coming up. Thank you so much. Thank you again, Mina, for such an awesome convo. Enjoyed every minute of it. Make sure y'all go grab her new children's book, Ambitious Girl. It's available now. I can't wait to have a little girl to read this to. And in the meantime, I'm definitely going to be ordering it for all of my friends who have little girls of their own because we want to encourage and celebrate that ambition. It is a beautiful thing. And if you have someone that you want to nominate for an Alpha Babe Spotlight, let us know. Hit me up. Hello at HotHappyMess.com or slide in the DMs. We're on Instagram, Hot happy mess make sure you go follow and hang with us until we'll see you on another hot happy mess monday leave a five-star review and subscribe 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 if you haven't already and if you a real one a real real one what i really want you to do right now is go ahead and text this episode to a friend maybe two if you liked it they'll probably like it because great minds think alike share with a friend make sure you're subscribed and i'll see y'all next monday for another episode of hot happy mess bye this episode is supported by fx's clipped the scandalous story of the 2014 clippers owners racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world the series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. 
There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once in a lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers, other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details.